I was working in my lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. The San Francisco GM began to rise, and suddenly, to my surprise, he pulled a trade. He pulled a monster trade. The monster trade! It was a pass rush trade. He did the trade. One Brett Veach should have made. He did the trade. He did the monster trade. Whoa! I was hoping you would do that, Sterling. You're supposed to jump in there. Happy Halloween on behalf of me. I don't even know what I am. A bank robber costume, maybe Grimace and Hamburglar together. Who knows? Sterling, you look unbelievable, by the way. Happy trade deadline and Halloween to you, my friend. And welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Let's dance. Yeah, that's all, that's all I'm going to do. Uh, the whole show is me doing a horrendous David Bowie impersonation. Suffered City is my favorite David Bowie song, but I didn't really know how I was going to throw that into a random conversation here. True. But I guess True. we're all technically suffering a little bit because Brett Veach did not go out and make a move. We weren't super surprised, at least I was, when McCall Hardman made uh, was the trade. I go, that is the trade. You're not going to see another dude. And that was why I was so... Um, down, if you will, on that trade from McCole Hartman. It's not him personally. It's that the Chiefs were not going to go out and get a DJ Moore, an Adam Thielen, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Darnell Mooney. No, the trade was McCole Hartman, and it is what it is. The Chiefs are fine. We're acting like the Chiefs. We're acting like the Chiefs didn't just win a Super Bowl. We're acting like Brett Veach hasn't brought a couple of championships to Kansas City. I, I, for one, I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit, but yes, it is slightly alarming when you see some of the moves going around the NFL, these contenders bolstering their team while the Chiefs stay pat. Totally, totally. Folks, we have a lot going on today. If you're just joining the show, first, I'm sorry that, well, actually not. You look great, Sterling. I, I should have prepped a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, we're here on Halloween with you. Look at that get up. Uh, by the way, do you miss the mustache? I had to shave it. I do. I feel cold, but I had to shave it because um, the Chiefs lost. I, I shave it after Chiefs lose because after the Super Bowl win, it's the offseason. You shave it. They lost to Detroit, shaved it. Lose to the Broncos, shave it. It's the uh, in the media. We're not really allowed to, to say, like, it's our team. Like, I can't say us. It's the Chiefs. It's them. So this is my little way of getting back and saying I am in solidarity with the Kansas City Chiefs, and that is the mustache. That's the victory stash. <laughs> I love it. Folks, if you're with us, look, we have an interview with Marquez Scantling, uh, Valdez Scantling. Uh, I said Scantling Jr. Who's that? I'm like mixing up people. Anyway, we got MVS on the show a little bit later doing an interview. We did a little bit earlier. We'll end the show with that. Um, we also have, look, if this, was a, uh, if this was a shampoo commercial, it'd be rants and repeat because I've got a lot I'm thinking about after this Broncos game that's driving me crazy. And then it's deadline day and I knew we wouldn't do anything. And yet I'm upset. We didn't do anything. And I'm using we, and you just said, I'm not supposed to say that, but I can do that. Whatever. Yeah. Let's start with deadline day. Look, we got a lot to talk about here. I guess before we do, we got some friends uh, over at FanDuel telling us uh, we got a deal, right? 
Uh, we have a very good deal. Uh, by the way, Phantom with maybe the the early leader in the clubhouse for puns. Relax, Chiefs fans. We are living through the golden years. Uh, that is a very good David Bowie poll right there. But here <laughs> we have for all of you Chiefs fans, we have some great news. If you've not signed up for FanDuel, you can take advantage of a limited time promo for new users. All you have to do is deposit and place a $5 wager on any sport and you will get $150 added to your account and bonus bets if your bet wins. All you have to do is use our link, bit.ly forward slash arrow 150 to sign up. And here's the thing, using our link, one more time for you, bit period ly forward slash arrow 150 not only gets you the bonus bets but also supports the podcast so if you're not yet signed up for FanDuel, please do us a solid and sign up with that link and place that first bet deals like this are what keep our podcast going year round and it allows matt to dress up like grimace and myself like david bowie this offer is only available to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states please remember to always gamble responsibly check the episode description for the full terms of the offer um sterling we know the chiefs did not make a move today however the day included several deals what were your like do you have general thoughts on the day like like how the trade deadline went, who you thought made a good move, uh, maybe who didn't. Yeah, you know, quite frankly, I think the Bears made a good move. They have 110 plus million in cap space going into next year. They got Montez Sweat. Uh, I, I understand they might overpay for him, but at the same time, when you have that much money freed up, you got to spin it somewhere. Might as well try and get better. I thought that was a good move. Not a not a ton of of incredible moves going on. We always think there's going to be something wild, right? We always think that it's turning more into the NBA or Major League Baseball. It's all wishes, right? Yeah. We're so used to playing Madden. We're so used to having force trades, auto trades on. Yeah, I want that guy. Send him over here. That's not the real world. Now, yes, the NFL is getting more and more transactional, but it's not there yet. So as much as we would have liked to see some some major moves happening in the Devontae Adams of the world, right? The realistic possibility was that's not going to happen. So quite frankly, this was more or less what I expected. Are, are you a little surprised here? I'm, I'm a little surprised at, at, the, um, at the NFL here because fan interest in the trade deadline is at a fever pitch. It's like it's a way during midseason for everyone to like get really excited. Why wouldn't you have it like two or three weeks later? The number of teams right now that still think they're in it, that like the Broncos won on Sunday and suddenly they think, hey, we just beat the Chiefs. Maybe we'll make some noise. So they don't trade Jerry Judy. They don't trade Cortland Sutton. They don't trade uh, Jewel. They don't trade, you know, and I'm just thinking, look, if you just make the the deadline a couple weeks later, you'd probably double the action in this because you'd have that many more pretenders out of it and therefore jostling for draft assets. To me, it would be great for the NFL to just make it mid-November and then you'd have a better product. Well, I think it's a really good point because right now you have New England at two and six. Clearly, they are out of it, but you have the Jets at four and three. The Jets at four and three, they're above 500. They still think they have a chance, even though Zach Wilson now is their guy. Um, you look down in the AFC South, Houston is three and four, Tennessee is three and four, Indy is three and five, Vegas is three and five. As you mentioned, Denver is three and five. Again, those teams are all sitting here going, we're, we're close to 500. Do we really want to give up and just punt on the year? No, it's too early to do that. You never know in the NFL anything can happen. But at the same, at the same token, I think you're, you're completely right. You go week 10, week 11, 
that would make a lot more sense. A lot more teams would be sellers. They know where they stand. Um, you know, Commanders are really the only team that had a, a, a fire sale, if you will, as Sean Browning uh, points out in the chat. And even they are three and five. Like, it's not like they're just this horrendous team. That's even more surprising to me because Washington is in the NFC. Right now, four and four gets you into the playoffs. Right, right. Yeah, they're actually closer than anyone, I would think. But especially with that defense that would have been good in the postseason. Yeah. Uh, they had the horses for it. Anyway, uh, talking about today, talking about today was the NFL trade deadline at 4 p.m. Eastern time in the league office. Everyone had to have their deals in. The Chiefs did not make a move. On the other side of the trade deadline, Sterling, what's the position that has you going, should have done something? Well, I mean, the answer is wide receiver. That's the only spot, right? Um, there's no other spot I would say the Chiefs should have or consider. I mean, if you want to say linebacker because of the injuries, sure. that, that's fair, and I will entertain it. Also, I'm not going to be that upset by it. I know you are going to go off in some long rant, and I understand that. I mean, I'm very excited to hear it. <laughs> but, where, but but where I'm coming from is Brett Veach just won the Super Bowl, and the only real difference at wide receiver was Juju Smith-Schuster, a dude who has no knees, a dude who right now is hardly getting playing time in New England on a on a team that is literally void of offensive talent. I can't be that upset. He had a, he had a game plan. He's going to stick to it. Okay. Now you can disagree with what we have seen so far, but he had a game plan, and that's what they're going with. The game plan is we're going to spend the highest draft capital on the defense. Then we will spend our some second rounders, some some other uh, draft capital on the wide receivers. But we're going to wait for those guys to develop. We're not going to punt just yet. Sky Moore is a second rounder. Rasheed Rice is a second rounder. Kadarius Tony, we traded some draft capital for. We're going to try and have these guys grow. You know, in the salary cap era, not everyone is going to be all pros. Not everyone can be wide receiver. One, you can't have the best at every single position. Again, this is the salary cap era. The only way the Chiefs can do that is if they draft well. The wide receiver spot is the only spot Brett, Brett Veach has consistently missed on. Now, if that's another conversation you want to have and say, hey, well, if you can't hit there, stop stop spending draft capital there and just trade for or assign guys. That I will entertain. Same time, Brett Veach has a plan. I'm not saying he's infallible. I'm not saying that he can do no wrong. But what I am saying is I think we need to pump the brakes just a little bit on the situation here. I, I get what you're saying. I'm even okay not making a move at wide receiver because I'm with you. I'm with you on this idea that, hey, look, if you have a bunch of young horses, you got to let them run. You have to let them run. You can't get to season's end, and then suddenly, I, I don't know. I Sky more needs than a, more than a year and a half. People may hate hearing that, but you got to if you're going to invest a second round pick, you got to let the kids play out. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread. With incredible taste and texture, Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O. Here's my, here's my deal. And look, I don't know where this rant fits in our show script and whatever. But here's what I'd love I'd love for you to respond to this, right? If these Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl, it's not because of this offense. It's not. It's not. The the like it will happen because Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback, of course. But the the identity of this team now is that you have 
the MVP at quarterback backed up by maybe a top three defense in the league. They're dominant. The, the This defense can step up and get it done. And you've got all pros at both specialist positions. Tommy Townsend's going to pin him every time. Harrison Butker's going to get it every time. If that makes this team more boring, so be it. But you can play the field position game and win. On Sunday, I thought I saw Andy Reid buying into that. People were like, why didn't we go for it? Go for the touchdown because you take the points because you can win these games now. That's this team's identity that Spags' defense can step up and actually stop anyone and everyone from doing what they want to do, at least enough that Patrick Mahomes is going to carry this sad sack of wide receivers across the line enough to do it, along with, of course, Travis Kelsey to do it. So my problem then, when you lose Nick Bolton and suddenly you look and say, we're getting gashed, if Drew Tranquil goes down, uh-oh, Tranquil did go down, uh-oh, Willie Gay's tailbone, suddenly you're looking at your defense, which is the which is the unit that's carried you this far. The Chiefs probably should have another loss or two, if not for this defense. I'm looking at the Jets game and some others, right? That being the case, when I'm looking at the linebackers, I'm thinking, just trade for Josie Jewell. Just trade for, for Jordan Banks. Someone. Trade for someone. Bolton's not coming back until Christmas. You really want to wait to open that present? We had Jack Cochran wearing the green dot in the middle of the defense with Cam Jones standing next to him. You could put those two on any sidewalk in Kansas City and everyone would walk right by them, not knowing that they were actually two of your 11 defensive starters in a game on Sunday. It's just, you know, to me, those are the moves you make, some level of importing, and you don't look over at Denver and go, hey, will you make Ben Neiman available to me? We've missed him the last couple of years. To me, to me, this this team is can allow their defense to carry them. The problem then, then, is that everyone on offense is still acting like we need the offense to carry them. So McCole Hartman's like, oh, sorry, I got greedy. I got greedy and selfish and did too much. And it's like, yeah, you don't have to win the game, McCole Hartman. You know what? The defense can win the game, right? So it's like you don't have to be cute with your play calling, coaches. You don't have to go for the deep ball when the, when the easy route's right there, Patrick Mahomes. You don't have to, like, do too much wide receivers. Just there's so much going on here in the play calling and the coaching. It's like you can win. You're not going to score as much. You're not. The Chiefs have a bunch of one-note receivers, and all you have to do in that phase – all you have to do as a defensive coordinator is stop like but look before the season we were saying the Chiefs have seven guys and they all can do something different but they all do one thing really well and we're going to bring all these seven and like every opposing defensive coordinator is like uh yeah I'll stop him from doing that one thing really well and then he's never going to do anything else on the field I mean like that's what we're seeing it's like not hard to shut down these guys um, and suddenly, all like suddenly, we're looking around, going, "Is anyone well rounded around here?" Is it besides Travis Kelsey? The answer is no. I'm going on and on and on here, but all I'm trying to say is, look, this team's identity is different. Different. It's not the same as it was last year. Even though maybe the only difference is having a Juju Smith Schuster. You don't have them. You don't have them. You got one note players who can't get open. They're all slot receivers being asked to play elsewhere. The trust factor isn't there. What like whatever you want to say about them lean into the defense, which is what we have, should have bolstered it. Now we don't. 
Now we're rolling into into Miami and Frankfurt with the limited linebacking core like we used to have with Anthony Hitchens and company. Uh, you know, it's not that bad, maybe. But I'm just anyway. I'm worried. I'm worried. We're shifting away from our strengths. What's your take on any or all that? Yeah, I, I will say first off, Juju Smith-Schuster has 89 at receiving yards this year, so that'd be dude had almost a thousand here. Not well. There's a reason why that was, that was last year. I get Mahomes and all that stuff. I think there's way more to that knee than meets the eye. Yeah. There is a reason the Chiefs said, "Hey, we'll offer you this, and we're not going any higher." There's a reason. There's a reason why his market was the way it was when he had the most receiving yards heading into free agency. Okay, yep. I'm not a doctor, but I can read between the lines. Something is not good there. Uh, I also find this comment a little funny here because he actually says it's hilarious how the Chiefs think they can win a Super Bowl without a wide receiver one, where they literally did that last year. Literally, we don't have to go back that far in time. If you're saying Judas Smith Schuster, the wide receiver one, then we have very different definitions of wide receiver one. Didn't know Darnell Mooney was also considered a wide receiver one then, or Alan Lazard for that matter. Uh, the point here is. I want to get to the defense because the Chiefs have built this team a different way. We've talked about the wide receivers. We have differing thoughts here. I understand that. I'm probably in the minority here, but the reason why I'm trying to continuously bang this drum is because I think the Chiefs made a concerted effort to build the team based on defense. Okay? Mahomes yes. can help grow wide receivers. We have not seen that so far, but the, the thought process behind it makes sense. Mahomes cannot make the defense better. And these are some stats – from the defense this year, okay? I understand the injuries. We can talk about that in a moment. But the actual defense, what has actually been put out there, what the numbers are so far, is electric. Number two in opponents' points per game this year, 16.1. Opponents' yards per game this year, fourth, 287.8. Opponents' points per play, second in the NFL. Opponents' yards per play, third. Okay, what we're talking about here is not a team that's getting lucky. We're not talking about a team that all of a sudden is bending, 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 but then holds them to a field goal. We're not talking about a team that all of a sudden a team goes 80 yards and then they get a lucky fumble or an interception. This defense is legitimately good. Yes. They've built it this way. This has been the focal point for the past couple seasons, okay? What they saw was, all right, that's great. Mahomes can win when he has to throw up 35, but he has to throw up 35 to win. What if, just what if here, we can hold teams to 16 points a game, under 20 a game. You think Mahomes can hit that the majority of the time, even if he's throwing to, to, to a whole bunch of young guys, a whole bunch of unproven dudes? The thought process is yes. So I understand what the Chiefs did, okay? This is different. But everyone who's clamoring for a wide receiver one, you would not be able to have the defense you currently have. Go back to 2018 because that's what you would be looking at. Yeah, I, I, think, you're, I think you're totally right on. And not only are you right on, but, but we're, we're still underselling the defense. This defense is going to get even better. We just added a minihue two games ago. They are the youngest defense in the NFL the youngest defense in the NFL folks you think Trent McDuffie's not going to get still tons better you think Snead's going to stop playing at, at an inspired level in a contract year all these young card Loftus gets better week after week FAU is on the sidelines just still there with his first round pedigree waiting to get on the field like this is it's wonderful it's wonderful and this defense will carry this I think this defense could hoist the Lombardi for sure. And Mahomes and Kelsey are enough to get it done there. My problem, though, my problem is that is that like the play calling is driving me bananas when you're throw, you know, throwing throwing multiple passes behind the line of scrimmage, several yards. Like 
Like, like, what are we doing when you're just going forward? Sometimes Mahomes, I think Mahomes has a hard time just taking the easy stuff that could come to him. And so it's going like when you just need five yards for the first down and you throw it deep and then it turns into a lost opportunity, things like that. I mean, you don't want to bridle a horse that's built for certain things. But at the same time, when you've built a team to be this balanced, you got to lean into that. And I just think somewhere, especially on the offensive side, maybe it's the loss of Biennemi and the addition of Matt Nagy. Maybe it's newer, maybe it's Connor Embry taking over the wide receivers. Maybe it's Todd Pinkston joining as a first-year former player and now coach. Maybe there's some coaching things going on. I, I, I don't know. But there's something being miscommunicated, trust not being established, chemistry not being present there on this offensive side that's keeping the kids from growing, that's forcing slot guys into everything but the slot. Well, and that's a really good point. Just really quick, since you hit on the slot, okay, I talked to uh, Tim Barnett yesterday, uh, former Chiefs wide receiver, and I was just trying to get some of the nuances. I'm like, how hard is it for a guy who who plays the slot to now all of a sudden play outside? And he goes, it's a bigger difference than people think. Not only that, when you're in the slot, for example, Rasheed Rice, he's been thriving in the slot. A lot of times you're going against either the A, the worst cornerback in the defense, potentially a linebacker or a safety. You have the advantage. Yeah. So Rasheed Rice... Hat off to him, you know, hat tip to him, but he's been taking advantage of the spot where he's supposed to be taking advantage of. I've said this from, from day one. Sky Moore would probably look a lot better if he's playing in the slot. The issue is he's trying to play outside because the Chiefs, for some reason, well, one, Rasheed Rice is probably better than him in the slot, but I still think Sky Moore would look better in the slot than he would on the outside. McCole Hartman, same way. We talked about the numbers. Adam Best had the numbers. McCole Hartman is actually best in the slot as well. A lot of players are best in the slot as well. That's where you get your feet wet. We're moving to the outside. Now, that is a different story. Okay. That's when you're going up against the better, uh, you know, cornerbacks. That's when you're going up against a legit cornerback every single snap. It is a little bit different. Okay. So I think that's a little, little, little nuance we have to bring up as well. And I'll go back to the offense because I think the reason why we have this such, uh, we have such a, I don't want to say misguided. Okay. But the offense, we, we have this view that it's worse than it actually is because of the red zone struggles. So let me bring you some numbers, okay? The Chiefs right now are 12th in points per game in the NFL. They are um, 17th in red zone scoring percentage when it comes to touchdowns, okay? 17th. But in yards per game, they are fourth. In yards per play, they are fourth. What does that tell you? They're stalling in the red zone. They're having too many turnovers. They're moving the ball when they need to move the ball. The issue is they don't take care of the football. If you look at the underlying numbers, what at least I'm gathering from this, they're a little unlucky right now. Sure. sure. I mean, red zone, you know, obviously there is some um, skill in red zone scoring. I'm not saying it's all fluky. But you're telling me with Andy Reid, with Travis Kelsey Mahomes, and just the amount of time Mahomes has to sit back in the pocket – that this red zone issue will not at least get better as the season progresses because the yards aren't the issue moving the ball from the numbers. I just showed you that's not the issue. It's not number one in the NFL, but fourth is pretty darn good. Okay. That's top five. Yeah. With the yeah. top two defense, you're telling me you can't, you can't win ball games that way. You yeah. can't. The issue is it comes down to the red zone. I, I don't disagree with you. It's just that when we get in the red zone, the personnel gets funny at times uh, and the play calling gets funny at times. You can't go one of five. You can't go zero of four against the Jets. I mean, apparently you can against the Jets, but 
here's the other factor too. And, and let me ask you this. We're like, look, now we're like knee deep in our show script and I don't know, I don't know what's up or down. Right. I, with the dolphins on tap, I'm looking at this first half thinking, cause look, I, I, I don't want to say the sky is, the sky is not falling. Like, as I say all of this, I want to say this also very clearly. The sky's not falling for the Chiefs. I know they're in first place. They're going to skate to the AFC West title. They're going to be in the postseason without a problem. Like, and once you're in the postseason, anything's possible. Like, oh, that's great. They should be favored. To, they're Super Bowl champs, right? Like, I'm not trying to say that they're not some contender or whatever. At the same time, when people are like, Hey, you should shut up because they're still in first place overall. As if there's no nuance to it. As if we're all watching the Chiefs not going, something's different this year. Something in the turnovers and the trust and the chemistry. If you're watching the Chiefs and not saying that, I don't know what team you're watching, right? So, in other words, they can be in first place. And I'm looking at the schedule going, I'm sorry. No, not even apologies to Lions. I'm sorry. The only team, the only team at all in the whole first half of the schedule that should really even be a test for the Chiefs is the Jaguars. And we caught them early, and I'm not even sure that they played that well. And I'm not even sure how convinced I am about the Jags, to be frank with you. And it's like, oh, well, we played, but the Lions are, are a playoff team. Too. Look, man, the Lions went 9-8. and eight. We caught them in week one. The Chiefs had a comedy of errors and lost by one. In other words, being six and two, we played cupcake, 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 cupcake. We could start a sprinkles shop with the amount of cupcakes that were on the Chiefs schedule to start out. We've got the easiest division in the NFL. I know you can only play the teams in front of you, but I'm not gonna but all that to say, I'm not gonna point to first place and go, eh? And what do you have to say about them? They're in first place. Yeah, they're in first place, but they've also played a lot of teams, and I'm not sure they've been really tested yet. Miami is going to be a good one. Uh, Buffalo, good one. Cincinnati, good one. And the Eagles right after the bye, good one. And I want to reserve some judgment for that. So the sky's not falling, but I'm also not sure this team has been tested. And I'm living somewhere in between the two of those. What do you think? No, I think they've been tested, but I, I do agree that it was early in the season, so you don't really know for sure. I think the Lions are a good team. I think you're completely underestimating the Lions. They are a very good team, personally. Uh, Jags, I think, are a fine team. I think they're above average. But I think every single team in the NFL has a fatal flaw, if you will. Totally. Uh, totally. The Eagles secondary and their defense as a whole has not been as good as thought as, the, as we once thought. Uh, Jalen Hurts, at least early on in the year, was really struggling throwing the football. He was turning the ball over a ton. He is starting to get it figured out. Josh Allen and the Bills, they've had their own struggles. They've been getting gashed at times. Um, the Chiefs, if you want to say their weakness is either A, stopping the run to an extent, especially with Nick Bolton, the linebackers out, and obviously the wide receivers. 49ers, well, they don't have a quarterback. Okay. By the way, watching Jimmy G with the 49ers last night, oh, I give all the credit in the world to Kyle Shanahan. Are you kidding me? He yeah. dragged that bum to a Super Bowl. I mean, seriously, Kyle yeah. Shanahan might be the greatest head coach of all time. Look at <laughs> look at his record with dudes like Brock Purdy, Nick Mullins, and Jimmy G. Those dudes are horrendous. Yeah. And yet, what do they do? They go like 12 and 4, 12 and 5, 13 and 4 every single year. Hat tip to Kyle Shanahan after watching that brutal performance last night. But the issue is, and what, what what's the Bengals' weakness? They, there isn't one. Dude, they're four and three. They're four, what are they, four and three? 
They have a weakness. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they, they clearly, their offensive line is atrocious. It's really bad. Like, I get they tried to bolster it. They didn't. It didn't work. Every single team has a weakness. I just feel like we're acting here like the Chiefs have to be perfect. And I'm sitting here going, no team is perfect. You don't see perfect teams. When the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, they weren't perfect. Their defense got hot at the second half of the season. The defense right now is electric. What you're hoping for now is the wide receivers get hot the second half of the season. That's the difference here. Yeah. Let me ask you about the wide receivers here just a little bit more. Just to ask you, do you believe that the best is yet to come from some of these young guys who've been written off? I think we're all still holding out hope. Like Rashi Rice, we're all excited by him. So he's not lumped in here. But when I look at Kadarius Tony, like you mentioned Kadarius Tony, you know, he was a he was a top 20 pick in his draft class just two years ago, right? Last year, Sky Moore, we passed on George Pickens. Uh, so we could pick up Darian Kennard, by the way. That was that was who we picked up in order to sl- slip back and take Sky Moore. But you know, Sky Moore was a second round pick just a year ago. So so some of these younger guys. Do you think that there is better days to come and we're going to look back and go, oh, we judged one or both of them a little early? Again, I think I'm in the minority here. I I say yes. I've said it for a while now. Uh, I'm starting to get off the Sky Moore train because I was very heavily on it. I was at the forefront going into this year of everyone hop aboard, guys. Sky Moore is going to lead this team in receptions. He's going to be a slot. He's going to be a maverick out there. He he will not mess up. He is going to be great. He's got those Johnny Benchian hands. He He can't drop the ball. It's Deontay Johnson, but with good hands. I'm an idiot. I was wrong. Rasheed Rice took his job and they kicked Sky Moore somehow to the outside. I I never thought I'd be saying I want more Justin Watson, but yes, I do think it's still a little bit early. Okay. I'm not a hundred percent ready to say Sky Moore is completely a bust. Is he going to be George Pickens? Will we uh, rue that draft pick? Potentially, but I'm not going to sit here and say he can never be anything. You know, this is what you have to do when you build a team. You have to hit on guys through the draft, and the Chiefs have done that a lot, okay? You, you know, for all the talk about, well, Pickens went after him or DK after McColl or it's just all of those things, right? We don't always talk about the hits. We don't talk about the fact that Mahomes and Trubisky went before him. We don't talk about how Creed Humphrey was drafted in the second round. We don't talk about how Trey Smith was drafted in the sixth round. Yeah. Legereus Sneed in the fourth. It, McDuffie, uh, you know, was taken instead of Kier Elam. Like, we, we don't talk about all the hits. We only talk about the misses. It's very hard to, to, to hit on 100% of your draft picks, okay? I feel like I'm, I, I'm not sitting here trying to just say Brett Veach is the, is, the, is the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. But again, I, I feel like we're asking for per- perfection when in reality, he's done a damn, damn good job building this team. It's just looking a little different than it has in the past. Yeah, totally. I, I totally agree with you. I think mostly we agree. I do. Um, I just think there are some nuances here that I was hoping to see. I want a little bit more proactivity at the deadline at places of need, um, and I'm not sold on the schedule. But but they have, uh, what, five draft picks next year, the Chiefs do? If, I, if I'm yeah. not mistaken, let me look it up. Let me look it up. I, I feel like we should have more than that, plus we should have a compensatory, right? I mean, I, I thought we were at seven. Uh, let me look it up. We have a total break right now because we're researching. I'm. Uh, I see they have a first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. And maybe I'm completely wrong here. 
but that's what I'm looking at on drafttech.com, which I have never heard of, which seems very uh, <laughs> reliable. Um, I love draft tech, whatever yeah, that is. Are you a big draft tech guy? Uh, I have no idea what that is. Uh, right now, um, Tankathon, which usually is pretty accurate, has the Chiefs at a first, second, third, fourth, a fifth from Dallas. Okay. A, a fifth compensatory, which could be disappearing in all that Coburn, this and that mess that was brought up earlier. And then a sixth at number two, which would be number 208 overall. Which okay. So some awesome. of the websites I've seen five. The, the point is they're not flush with draft picks like they have been in the past. Okay. Yeah, for sure. So you're not going to give up a second or a third rounder. You're not giving up one of your high draft picks for a rental, let's just say Hollywood Brown, then turn around and pay him 20 plus million. The Chiefs were, in a sense, between a rock and a hard place. You almost have to see what you have in Sky. I'm not saying people are, should just all of a sudden blindly believe that Sky Moore is going to all of a sudden turn around. But at the same point, the Chiefs almost have to hope that that's the case because they, they, they put a lot of resources right here. A couple second rounders back to back. They spent some draft capital bringing Kadarius Tony in. This is what they got. So this is what they're going with because they don't have the draft capital to go out and get something else. Um, question though, you know they're going to make some moves. Chris Jones, you think he's here long term? Feels like a tag and trade to me. Like we're talking about the number of draft picks they have, but if you told me that Veach was going to secure an extra first and second or first and third because of Jones, I'd totally believe it and we'd be much more loaded to going into the draft. Man, it's just tough. The Chris Jones saga is going to continue this offseason. If you guys thought you were over that, uh, get ready to ramp that back up. But I I don't want to talk about it right now because it looks so good, and he's been such a vital part. Even if the numbers aren't quite there, the sack numbers and that stuff, he's opening up everything for everyone else. Mike Dana, George Karloftis, Charles Minahu. I mean, you're looking at Chris Jones and Charles side by side right there. The reason why Charles has so many one-on-ones and is getting back there is because Chris Jones is getting double-teamed. Yeah, man. Yeah. Soon what's going to happen, you're going to have to, what, double-team Charles and Chris Jones has a one-on-one. I mean, this Chiefs defensive line is so deep. They have a first-rounder, as you mentioned, they don't really even need to use. Just he, you know, he's just Love sitting there going, all right, you grow. You learn from these guys. Yeah. We'll let you know when you're needed. We'll we'll let you know. And that's such a good spot to be in. I love it. I love it. Yeah, please don't hear me say I want to trade Chris Jones. Not I mean, I I was banging the drum for 30 million all the time. So yeah, I'm I'm there on that. Um, one more here. Look, look, Mahomes, the whole team committed five turnovers, right? You, like more than anything else, red zone issues and whatever. You're not winning with five turnovers. You're not, right? Um, how much of that was the flu for you? I mean, some of those turnovers weren't Mahomes at all, mm-hmm. but those that were, and the general, general frustrating play at times, is that uh, was that the flu? Was it more than that? It can't all be the flu. The flu doesn't affect MVS coming back on a route. The flu doesn't turn Sky Moore into stone hands. The flu doesn't all of a sudden make McCall Harbin for whatever reason perpetually yeah. decide to try and catch the rock inside the 10 yard line. Dude. What, what do we have to do? What do we have to do with any returner? It's every returner. At this Washington point. didn't do it. Uh, did he play enough? Did he play I enough? Him. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It feels like everybody back there is just like, Hey, do you want to make bad decisions? Then would you like to return punch for the Kansas city chiefs? Oh, then I would be the best punt returner. <laughs> 
I mean, it's, just, it's, it's mind blowing how that continuously happens. Obviously, Dave Tobe has to be telling them this or else he would pull them. Right. Obviously, Dave Tobe is aggressive in regards to where they set up, what, he, what they're allowed to try and take back, because if not, they would be sitting on the bench next to him or else we'd only see it from one guy. Everyone does it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't blame the flu for that one. I mean, Mahomes did not look good, but no one really looked good on the offense. It The offensive line wasn't looking very good. I mean, he, they looked good for the most part. Right. But it. It's still they, they could have had a better game overall. The tackles, especially uh, wide receivers. Travis Kelsey had a big drop as well. He looked a little sluggish in my eyes. Um, I, I've seen a couple chats here. Um, you know, Devontae Adams would be a perfect fit on the Chiefs trade for DK Metcalf. You realize you have to give something up to get these guys right, and you have to also have the sell. I'm not trying to roast you. I'm not trying to uh, be rude here, but but my point here is. It's not as simple as, oh, yeah, the Chiefs would look good with Devontae Adams. Let's throw him a six-rounder, and, of course, the Raiders would trade him to Kansas City. All right. Like, right. not only that, they have to find it monetarily makes sense for it to, to fit into the salary cap. Again, the Chiefs are in a rock and a hard place in regards to what they can and can't do. They don't have the draft capital they've had in the past. They don't have the salary um, uh, opening they had in the past. You can't just go out and get Devontae Adams because it would look fun and it would look good. That's not the way it works in the salary cap era in the NFL. Yeah. Next week, look, we've uh, we lost the Broncos. Nothing we can do about it. Chiefs have got to move on. Next week is the Miami Dolphins. I know you're going to probably break this down later in the week. I know that we've got other shows that are going to do a preview. But you and I are not going to have a chance to talk about these Miami Dolphins uh, before the game. I guess we will in the pregame right before the game. But um, – you know, heading to Germany, Tyreek Hill playing against his old team. The Dolphins are six and two as well. How seriously do you think they are in terms of like how seriously do you take them as AFC contender at six and two right now and as they're heading into week nine versus the Chiefs? Yeah, I do. They remind me a little bit of the 2018 Chiefs. Very offensive focus, not great defensively. Uh, they tried to bolster the defense, but it's not really panned out for Miami. Um, you know, I was talking with some former Chiefs and I was laughing. I said, who has the edge, the Chiefs or Tyreek Hill? I mean, Tyreek Hill obviously knows the Kansas City Chiefs cornerback room and the and what they like to run, Steve Spagnuolo, but also the Chiefs corners and Steve Spagnuolo knows how to try and stop Tyreek. They see each other in practice, obviously, all that time as well. This is going to be very fascinating. I actually have the under in this game. I think it's going to be a little lower scoring than people are, are probably expecting. Um, not saying the Chiefs can't take advantage of a porous Miami defense, but I think the Chiefs defense is that good. I think they're going to be able to slow down Miami's attack, especially through the air. The issue is the Chiefs, without those linebackers, are going to have trouble probably slowing down Raheem Mostert. I know no Devon Achan, but Raheem Mostert is a very talented running back. The, the Miami Dolphins, I think, are first in rush yards per game this year. They've been very effective on the ground. Um, you know, I think it's going to drain the clock. It's going to be a little different game than people are expecting. But also the game being in Germany, an 8 a.m. game, the travel game. Those games can be wonky. They're a little lower scoring. You might not have the same preparation. The Chiefs obviously going over on Thursday evening, going to have their first practice on Friday. If I'm not mistaken, I believe Miami is actually over there in Germany right now. A little yeah. few different ways of trying to go about this. Um you know, I think Miami, though, in the grand scheme of things, is a team that the Chiefs and the NFL needs to take seriously. But I actually think the Chiefs match up well. One of the few teams that match up well against the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. I, I'm interested to see whether we see Petty Mahomes. 
because Tyreek has not been shy about pointing out differences between Tua and him in the time since he was traded uh, or not coming off of this flu game and like five total offensive turnovers for the chiefs. I could see Mahomes just going, uh, let's shut some, let's shut up some doubters. Let's silence some of the, the critics that we've heard in the last week. Uh, yeah, it'd be, it could be fun. It could be a fun outing in that way. Although, you know, again, I know that I know that the dolphins are six and two. I will say this. If you look at the Dolphins' schedule, they've also played a lot of soft teams and when they've played big teams, they didn't just lose. They got rolled like Buffalo rolled them over, like put them in a rug, rolled them up in a giant Oriental carpet and carried them out to the back of the van. That's what the Buffalo Bills did. And the Philadelphia Eagles did the exact same thing. So, you know, if the Chiefs are um, as serious as we hope and think they are, it could be the same thing. And we might find that the that the Dolphins are softer than we think, despite their record. Yeah, I, I see also from Angry Drunken German says when the Dolphins play a solid team, the pass rush, they get stomped. And that's, again, why I think the Chiefs match up well. The Chiefs have the pass rush. They have the corners. They have the dogs and the defense to, to keep up with the speed of the Miami Dolphins. But again, it's going to come down to uh, can they stop the run? I know yeah. it's going to sound weird to say. I know this sounds very uh, typically against what I'm, you know, I'm like running backs don't make a huge difference. You know, run the ball, run the ball. But against the Miami Dolphins, if they're getting six, seven yards a carry with Raheem Mostart, it's going to make me a little nervous. That's all I'm going to say because I do think that's where Miami actually has an advantage because I don't think they have a massive advantage, if at all, when they drop back to pass, and that's very rare to say against a, uh, a team the Dolphins will play this season. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I had to laugh a little bit there because just watching you with that hair and makeup. Like Jerry, you, Jerry Seinfeld. Like, like talking – <laughs> Talking serious football is just it's such a great combination. I'm like, I don't know how we got here, but I'm glad we got here. Uh yeah. Hey, um, early predictions for for the Dolphins, by the way. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go a little lower scoring. Um I'll say 24-21. I think the over-under right now is at 51, something like that. Uh that'd be 45. I think it's a close game, but I think the Chiefs hold on and they win this one. Um I think Butker is kind of a, a secret weapon at this point. Quite yeah. frankly, Butker has been just absolutely nails yet to miss a kick this season. And, and I'm intrigued to see how the field looks for these players. Okay, last year in Germany, I think it was last year, when the Buccaneers were over there, they weren't a fan. It was all grass, not turf, but all grass. But soccer pitches are a little different than the, what they use for grass in the NFL. NFL grass is a little longer. Over there for soccer, it's a little shorter. Okay, I, I forget who it was in the Buccaneers said that field was atrocious. You couldn't get a grip. You were sliding everywhere because you couldn't get your cleats in there. So the difference is this year in Germany, they're using a little uh, hybrid field, which is typically 90% grass, 10% added fiber in there to try and make it a little different, to make it a little um, sturdier for the players, if you will. So watch out early if players are going through cleats to see if they're slipping early, if they try and change into something different later on. I think it's a little, uh, little nuance, something to watch for, uh, for how the game progresses. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, I'm going to go Chiefs as well in this one. I, I, um, uh, yeah, I, I think Mahomes shows, I think Petty Mahomes shows up. I'm going to go 35 to 24. And I think it's the first real test. And I think they pass it. I, I'm, mm. I'm a believer. I couldn't leave her if I tried. Um, you saw her face, right? Yeah. And, and then, and then she looked like Mike McDaniel. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> Folks, um, hey, look, we, a little bit different show for you today. I had the chance to catch up with Marquez Valdez Scantling uh, earlier after the Broncos game. Actually, we thought we'd hold it for this show. Um, and then we just thought, well, we'll, we'll just close the show uh, with that. I had the chance to talk to him about uh, a number of things, including rebounding from the loss and uh, the wide receiver room in general and fan expectations of, of a prolific offense year after year after year. So stick around for that. And also, if you have some well wishes, our producer Richard is uh, feeling under the weather. So we're not doing any must list or anything like that. Certainly wish Richard the best. Before we leave, by the way, all of you out there listening, watching in any way, we always appreciate you uh, following, hanging out with us, putting up with our silly antics. My silly antics. Sterling looks wonderful, by the way. Um, the normal Tuesday. Wait, it's right. Halloween? Yeah. Oh, who who knew? Yeah. So uh, yeah, hit the like button, subscribe, um, hand out our, our business cards to your friends, Whatever it is you need to do there, uh, more than anything else, have a happy Halloween to you and yours. Stay tuned. Here's our conversation uh, from yesterday with Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Hello, uh, this is Matt Connor with Fansighted. Uh, so glad to have here with us for a few minutes, Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Uh, Marquez, six years in the league carved out a great role as a deep threat with some of the most prolific offenses in that time. But you're coming off uh, a little bit of a tough loss yesterday. Uh, first of all, thanks so much for joining us today. I know you're doing some yeah, cool man. stuff with Charmin. We'll uh, we'll get to that in just a second. Um, but yeah, wanted to see, like, look, so much is made of, like, that's one of the longest streaks ever in NFL history to be dominant over one team. 16 straight for that to be broken, I think a lot of people are saying, man, it's got to be broken sometime. It's just like winning is hard in the NFL. Wondering how you guys are sort of carrying that loss the day after. Yeah, I mean, you kind of got to flush it. Um, we got a new week. That's the beautiful thing about this league that we play in, man. It's uh, 17 games and Super Bowl isn't won in, uh, in week seven or week eight, you know. So um, there hasn't been too many teams that, you know, went undefeated and won a Super Bowl, you know. So I think that's kind of how we – uh you know, take it and, you know, move on to the next week and try to go one and up. Is it hard to know, like, to take a lesson from that? I can imagine just kind of wanting to say, ah, look, just <laughs> burn the tape, forget it, let's move on, whatever. Or or is there, like, is there a sense of, like, just trying to totally turn the corner? Or or is there a sense of, like, no, we like, what can we pull from that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you, you pull things from game that you win as well. Uh, no game is perfect. You know, obviously, we all want to be perfect every single play um, but it's a team sport and it takes all 11 guys to to be you know a good football team every single play and so being able to go in and look at the things that we did wrong and how to correct them and obviously we played this team twice a year and we just played them two weeks ago um, yeah. you know so we're their common opponent um, and it was one of those games where you know we didn't play our best and uh, you know they played their hearts out and you know, kudos to them for going out and getting the victory. The Chiefs have a very, very young wide receiver room overall, which makes you an elder statesman there, your years in Green Bay. Then here's your second year in Kansas City. What's that role been like for you around some of these other guys who maybe don't have as many years or the reps or the experience? Um, and like, have, have you relished taking on that role? What's that been like in this first half of the season? 
Yeah, man, it's, you know, obviously being, you know, six years into the NFL, um, you've seen a lot of football. Um, I've been a lot of, uh, been a part of a lot of great teams. And so being able to go in and teach those younger guys who, you know, maybe their first or second year, you know, even, you know, going into their third year, um, it's been a, a great opportunity for myself to kind of bring those guys along and, you know, through the ups and the downs, there's going to be adversity. There's going to be, you know, hate from the outside world that they have to block out. Um, you know, I've been a part of all of that. You know, I've been a part of great teams, been a part of teams that didn't do so well, you know, like in my first <laughs> year, you know, so coming into a situation where, you know, you're fresh off of a Super Bowl win and the expectations are so high for, you know, the number one offense to go back and be the same number one offense again, you know, it's a new year. Um, and there's new guys, there's, you know, 30% of your team gets turned over every year. You know, it's a draft every year. So it was just one of those things where, you know, it's going to come together. And when it does, we're going to keep doing what we've been doing. I, I love what you just said. Do you feel like a lot of people maybe forget that or overlook that, especially like from an outside perspective, fans, analysts, whatever, where you say, oh, you've been number one for so long or this prolific. And yet there is so much turnover. There's so much parity just week to week. You know, these are elite athletes and everything's does change like that do you feel like that's lost on a lot of people the difficulty of such of maintaining that those sorts of levels yeah i mean obviously you know when you got andy reed and, and patrick mahomes as your uh staples of of the offense you know and obviously travis is one of the best tight ends to ever play this game you know they want to see you know 40 points scored week in and week out <laughs> You know, and, you know, obviously they've been doing that for, you know, even before I got here, you know, and obviously go in and win a Super Bowl last year and, you know, be the number one offense and do all this great stuff that we did last year. But there was times last year where we struggled as well, you know, and I think fans kind of get, they get lost in, you know, us scoring 50 points a week. Um, and it's not that easy, man. Um, you know, and like I said, there's a lot of turnover. You know, we have, you know, pretty much a brand new receiver room uh, this year. You know, we got two, new tackles um and then obviously you know with um our running backs you know those guys have been there all year um even last year but you know even pacheco it's only his second year as well you know so i think mm -hmm. fans just kind of get lost in that uh they want to see you know 60 points scored week in and week out um and you know they get paid on the other side of the ball too to stop us so you know <laughs> they're not gonna um let us just do whatever we want week in and week out you know and Obviously, Pat's been doing this thing for a long time and it's been really good for a long time. So they're going to try to figure out ways to kind of slow him down. I'm glad you brought up both the prolific offenses that you've been a part of in the past and working with Mahomes and, and Kelsey here. Feels like a lot of guys may may even play much longer and never get the chance to play with even a good quarterback, right? Guys mm -hmm. who are stuck on maybe some bad teams or whatever. Like you've been certainly blessed, fortunate to to play with two of the greats ever to play the game. Uh, do you ever like reflect on some of that and, and your, your ability to, I mean, obviously in, in free agency, you're able to choose, you know, this round. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty great, if you got to be a deep threat, it'd be a nice, it's a nice <laughs> place to be a deep threat. Yeah. I mean, obviously I played with, you know, the two best quarterbacks to ever play this game. Um, and I think, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough and blessed enough to be able to to do that for, you know, the six years that I've been in the league. And obviously, you know, I can't throw myself the ball, you know, because I would I would do it every play if I could. Um, you know, so they've had to trust in me to throw me the ball and me make those plays for them, you know, week in and week out. And I'm just grateful for the opportunity. 
I know you're doing some cool stuff with Charmin here mm-hmm. in advance of the game in Frankfurt next week. Can you tell us more uh, about that, what you're doing with them? I think, um, you know, just being, you know, such a, a routine guy, um, then having to travel all the way across the country or all, all the way across the world, uh, matter of fact, to, you know, go to a different place to play a football game. You kind of want to be able to stick into the same routine. And I think Charmin has been able to help me out with, with that, um, it's been a, a great experience to partner with those guys and, you know, be able to keep my same routine because you just never know what kind of toilet paper you're going to get when you get to the other side of the world. <laughs> um, so Charmin been able to you know, help me out and keep me prepared for, you know, whatever may go down um, over in Germany. Speaking of what's going to go down in Germany, this is a big game. I mean, this is this mm-hmm. is definitely the best exhibition, at least in terms of win percentage ever played in an international London or anywhere on, on the part of the NFL fans have, I think have circled this date for a long time. You have Tyreek Hill playing his former team. You have the offensive machine, so to speak in Miami facing, you know, like we were just talking about the prolific, you know, reputation of the chief's own offense. Have, have you guys had this circled? And I, I know a lot of the talk is like, well, we, you know, we're just focused on one week at a time. Like that's the typical coach speak player speak. But in a way, you've got to have some games that stand out more than others. I mean, is, has this been one of them for the guys on the team or for you at all? Um, it hasn't for me. And I don't really think it is for any of the guys on the team. You know, we don't no. really have any you know, animosity toward Miami. It's not like a divisional opponent. You know, obviously Tyreek played here, but that was before me. So, you know, I don't have any beef sure. with him. You know, we work out together in the offseason. Um, you know, maybe he might have some animosity on his end, you know, but from our end, you know, like I think both sides got what they wanted. You know, he got to go off and get the money that he wanted, still be doing great things in his career. Um, you know, we came over here and won a Super Bowl. So I think both sides, you know, won the deal. I don't really think that there's any, you know, extra added hype outside of what, you know, the fans are making it out to be. You know, obviously if he was coming back to Arrowhead and playing here, it would have been a different story. But now that we have to go to Germany and it'll be at nine o'clock in the morning in the States, um, you know, I don't think it'll be uh, too, too crazy uh, over here. But like I said, it'll be another football game, another opportunity against a really good team. Uh, one more for you then. You, you talked about these preparations for Germany. What are you guys doing that's different this week? Uh, obviously, the travel is a big thing there. How how has Andy and, and the staff, training staff there, prepped you guys to, like you said, 930 in the morning, kickoff, jet lag, travel, et cetera? You know, we haven't started yet. I mean, today is our, our first day back, you know, so we have to go over, look over the tape for the last game. So we haven't even you know, talked about our, our plans for this upcoming week. So we'll find that out uh, tomorrow. Um, I'm not even sure what day we leave. Um, but, you know, obviously it's going to suck with both teams that have to travel over there. So, you know, we'll <laughs> we'll both be on the, the same page of, you know, how to deal with uh, that uh, time difference and, you know, being able to go out and play a game at, you know, 9.30 in the morning, or what it'll feel like 9.30 in the morning to us, so. Right on, right on. Well, Mark, Mark West, certainly uh, congratulations to you on the longevity of your career. Wish you Thank the you. best on Sunday, and thanks so much for joining. Appreciate you.